You're listening to Karma's Calling, a podcast for women, where we explore our truth as survivors of domestic violence. Here, we interview survivors about how they reinvented themselves after escaping an abusive partner. We also talk to therapists about the types of behavior survivors can acquire. Domestic violence is an extremely important matter. It threatens the lives and the physical and mental health of millions of women worldwide. There are no special qualifications or rules when it comes to being a survivor of abuse. We all have our own story. We all have a different experience. Hey guys, welcome to Karma's Calling. My name is Jeannie Christine, and as I launched season one of this podcast, I feel it's important to highlight why I created it. As a survivor of abuse, I want to build a community together and hear from the perspective of women who were in abusive relationships. I want to know how it feels to be seen and heard and listened to by sharing their story, because I decided that, and we all can too. Karma is the freedom to decide who we are and where we are going. Our past does not define us. What defines us is what we do next. Let's celebrate the lives of all survivors by networking for change through connectedness. The purpose of my podcast is to emphasize the beginning of our journey as survivors after facing domestic violence. Each story is a voice to someone's truth. Let's help to educate and spread awareness through our own experiences. These are our stories. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Lisa Rodriguez, and she is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And of course, my mother, So for my first episode, I thought who else would be perfect besides my mother who has guided me, empowered me, and influenced me to be the woman I am today. I feel like the life I have today wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for my mother. So I decided why not have her as my first guest. And it's perfect because she totally relates to this topic. So last Sunday her and I went to brunch and I invited her and my father and we were sitting around talking just about domestic violence and the trouble that we face through generational trauma and we sat there during brunch talking one-on-one and I feel like when we're in a close circle like that that's where the most healing and connectedness comes from so mom please go ahead and introduce yourself i just want you to kind of say hi to the viewers i'm I'm lisa rodriguez i'm a marriage and family therapist and i've dedicated a good amount of my life working with um specializing in teens who um have suffered from different trauma um who have been exposed to different trauma um or who are just struggling with you know typical depression anxiety disorders uh eating disorders that that's kind of where my specialty lies and that's what i've been doing for the past i would say 20 years i really just want to go straight into it so sitting down at that brunch table you told me a lot about your life growing up so can you tell me more about your parents what their relationship was like and how that impacted you Okay, so uh, I I come from a big family. There was five boys and one girl. I was the one girl. Um, I had a really good relationship with my brothers. We were very, very close. I think that was my saving grace, to be honest with you. Um, I had a mom who was extremely loving, um, very affectionate, but very passive and very submissive. I had a father who was very, um, I want to say scary, 
He was like six foot two, just a big man with a deep voice. Um, he was very, what they call in the Hispanic community, um, machismo, very macho, very controlling, very self-absorbed, very narcissistic. And um, the household that I grew up in was extremely dysfunctional for many reasons. Um, financially, we struggled all the time. Um, and that was even to put like food on the table. Um, there was domestic violence in the household. Um, my father had many affairs, many women. Uh, he was very abusive with my mother and with his children. And um, there's just a lot of um, trauma that I experienced, exposed to, that I witnessed. Um, and I think, um, you know, that does impact who you are and what happens to you, you know, in the rest of your life. But I always believe that kids are, who are exposed to some type of trauma, if they have that one person that, that really, you know, is there for them, that comforts them, that soothes them, that makes them believe they can do anything and get through it, they're resilient to it. And I believe I was resilient because of my brothers. We were extremely close. I know it sounds weird, but we were, even in school, it was funny. We hung out with each other and with each other's friends. Like that's who we would go to. That was our support system. And I think we had each other to talk to, to lean on, to cry with, just to be there for each other. And we're all one year apart. In fact, my brother and I, one of them, we're the same age for at least two months. So we're very, very close. And so I think that's what kind of got me through. That's my resilience. Would you say that you were all resilient after the kind of home you grew up in because you said it was very dysfunctional and that there was a lot of trauma, there was a lot of problems, and especially with money growing up, I can only imagine what that was like. Um, no, and that's funny. I know I, I think all of us were impacted different ways. Um, I know some of my brothers have struggled with um, severe depression. Um, you know, their own identity with who they are, um, you know, who they want to become, uh, anger towards my parents where they, you know, removed themselves and came back to the family, then kind of removed themselves, came back to the family. Um, yeah, just, just a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. And I think because of that, it's made all of us individually who we are. And we, you know, we're all good people, don't get me wrong. Um, but we all dealt with it, I guess, differently. And we all had a different, I guess I want to say, level of resilience that made us get through. And um, like all of us have our own experiences too. We all, did, we all experienced similar things, but also different things. Um, so I would say, yeah, I would say that we, we've all were exposed to it and came out different um, because of it and struggled with different things because of it. All, all of us in our, in our own ways. None of us have the same story to tell. What would you say your pain stems from? What in your childhood life growing up impacted you where you either said, I'm like this because of this, or I'm going to change because of this that happened in my past. Okay. So I, just like anything else, a cycle continues to keep going and it moves on and on the cycle of life unless someone breaks it. So an example would be like, let's just say 
Um, my mom got pregnant at 14. Chances are her mom was pregnant. And then the good chances are that I may get pregnant until someone decides to break it. And it's the same kind of cycle with abuse. Um, I know my mother's mom suffered from abuse. Um, her father was an alcoholic and there was, there was trauma that she was exposed to. And then she married a man who wasn't an alcoholic, but who was abusive and who was unfaithful, just like her dad was. Um, and so I think what happens is you pick, you either decide to fall into that cycle and decide to say, okay, I'm going to fall into that same, you know, um, place and marry someone who's abusive. Cause this is all I know. This is what I think is okay. This is what I witnessed or you become angry, which happened to me. And I turned the other side and said, no more. Um, I love that. Witnessing what my father did to my mom. I said, no man will ever treat me like that. Um, my mom was almost like a slave when I look at it. Like she had to have dinner. She had to have a certain dinner. She had to stand by his side. What else do you need? Was this was this all to impress him or to guide him to, you know, see her in a, in a certain light or perspective? I think it was a little of both. I think there was a fear there that she had of him. Mm -hmm. But I think it was also to try and... Um, make him see how devoted she was because he had several other women and that was wow. a fight within herself that she struggled with her own <laughs> insecurities and fears so it made me angry to see that um a woman would be treated like that um and that a man had so much power over her so i became really angry about that and i decided that no man would ever talk to me like that, would ever touch me inappropriately, physically, you know, would ever talk down to me, disrespect me. And I decided that I was going to be my own woman. I was going to go to college, be successful so that I could count on myself and that I didn't have to be dependent on someone and allow a man who, you know, may treat you bad to have to depend on him money and financial security and a home life I wanted to know that I could be stable on my own in case I ever had to be and that was always my goal that I wanted to be sufficient self-sufficient as a female and as a woman and and make sure that I taught that to my kids as well male and female both of them yeah well I mean congratulations because you've done a very very fabulous job as a mother of four children you've given us a very beautiful life that we have today and you've come a long way you've did it all the right way you're very successful in your life and everything that you've done giving back to your community the ways that the many ways that you've helped contribute to what was life like for you back in the day were what would the average day look like through your eyes when you were younger okay um well first thank you for what you said that's really um, complimentary. I, I do appreciate that. That didn't go unnoticed. Um, I would say the daily average life would be getting up in the morning. Um, I had to share a, a room with one of my brothers. There was too many of us. We only had three bedrooms in the house mm. and we had one bathroom between all of us. So wow. everyone had their turn in the bathroom. Um, basically I remember, um, having powdered milk for breakfast every morning that's what we could afford and cereal or toast and the powdered milk that would be our breakfast once in a while we'd have enough money for eggs and we'd all get an egg which would be would be nice 
Um, sometimes even oatmeal or cream of wheat. Those were those were like treats. Those were on good days when you know maybe my dad had just gotten paid because、uh, my mom didn't work. She was a stay-at-home mom.、Um, we would have that for breakfast.、Um, We'd be on our way to school. I remember my brothers. There was、uh, four of them, so they all the time exchanged clothes because there wasn't a lot of clothes between them. I think I own maybe a few dresses, a few、um, tops, a few pairs of pants, and I would do the same thing, kind of, you know,、um, just make my outfits look different,、um, so it didn't look like I was wearing the same clothes every day. We'd go to school. And then we'd come home, and we'd always go together and walk together. Like I said, we were very close,、um, and we all stayed together all the time, like going and coming. When we were younger, that is.、Mm-hmm. Um, as we branched out in high school, of course, you know things became different for all of us.、Um, but that was during the younger years. When we'd come home. Um, we'd usually,、uh, honestly, I remember just playing outside with the neighbors. Like that was the thing we looked forward to the most was、mm-hmm. coming home, changing our clothes, and running out in the neighborhood and just playing with all the kids on the block. Like that, I think, was our healthy release. Is just so it wasn't. It was avoiding your home at all costs. It was avoiding home exactly. And what's funny is. We weren't afraid of my mom at all because my mom was very loving. She was a、mm-hmm. weak woman who was very loving, and when she was with us alone, it was good. But it was funny because as soon as we heard his car drive up, I think we all got like sick in our stomachs, knots in、mm-hmm. our stomach, because we didn't know who was going to be today's victim, whether it was going to be my mom or one of us, and it was、mm-hmm. always someone. There was always a victim every single day. It was rare. That there wasn't a day that there was a victim. I'll be honest with you.、Um, we used to hide. I remember hiding in the closets. I remember like hiding under the beds because we, you know, we were afraid when he would hit my mom. We were younger. We we didn't know how to、um, intervene, and he was a huge man, so that was fearful. There was a lot of holes in our walls in the house、um, from him trying to hit her or punching him out of anger.、Um, so. That's kind of how it was. So that was our way, like you said, our release of freedom, maybe happiness. The one thing that we had that kept us going was our, like our neighbors. We were very close to our neighbors, and at that time, kids played outside. We didn't have cell phones and TV. That's all we did. And then once we saw him drive up, it was a whole different story. Our demeanor、mm-hmm. would change. Our whole bodies, everything would change, and we'd all be afraid the whole time he was he was there because he was very demanding. And he commanded us, you know, all the time to do things, and we were just on it. You didn't even think of the word no; you just did it,、mm-hmm. and and that's kind of how it was. So when he was gone, I think those were our happiest times. When he was home, it was actually、um, a real toxic environment, a very unhealthy way to to have to live every day. That. Is awful, and I'm very sorry because that's a very tragic way to live. Nobody should ever have to go through that, and nobody deserves that. But I think, in the end, it just amazes me how far you actually have come, and how you've used what has happened to you in your past to make you a better woman for your future family, for your husband, and you didn't marry a man. Who was just like your father? You did the exact opposite, and you did very well. So again, props to you for that. I 
can't even imagine really going through that because the life that we have is so different. So my siblings and I, we owe you the world. But I also want to dive into more about what we talked about at that brunch. I just, I know a little bit more, but I also want to tell the viewers and I want to talk more about that intimidation aspect. So you said that your dad would have a steak every night. (laughs) Yeah, that was his one demand from my mom that he have steak and then his vegetables every night. So did you all have steak or how did that play out for you guys? No, that wasn't something we were able to afford. I mean, there was six of us and then my parents. And again, my mom didn't work. My dad had a job as a truck driver which made decent money. However, he would get laid off here and there, especially around the holidays. I don't know why I remember that so vividly. My brothers would say the same. And when he got laid off, um, he had that attitude when they would call him because you could pick up work with the union because he was part of a union. Right. He would, instead of going and hustling, like a lot of the fathers did, he would lay on the couch and say, no, I'm not working for that. So let's say everybody was making, I'm just going to say $10 an hour and they only paid eight. He would say, I'm not going to dumb down for that. Like that's cheap work. So he wouldn't do it. So instead of going to work, he would stay home. And then, oh my God, it was really brutal because he'd be there all day. Um, I think school and our friends were the best part of that to get away. Mm-hmm. But um, that's kind of how it was. So because of financial circumstances, um, there wasn't a lot, never, um, I would say, an adequate amount of food. Like in today's time, social service pro- social services probably would have removed us if they came to our house, I'll be honest mm. with you. Uh, but wow. at that time, things weren't like that. But for dinner, usually um, my mom was a really good cook, and I don't know how she always did it, but she made like a little bit called Logway. Mm-hmm. Um, so like on a typical day, we might have... Um, a soup called Fidel that she would make with um, crackers and maybe a grilled cheese or maybe um, she would make us, you know, um, we see like some type of pasta, um, just something that she could throw together that would go a long way. Um, I think all of us hate tomato soup because we have that so often, tomato soup and grilled cheese or tomato soup and crackers. it, it wasn't like we were exposed to a lot of different things because financially we weren't able to afford it. But my dad did have the steak every day. I remember just like drooling inside, like, oh my God, it smells so good. It looks so good. And it did to all of us, but we were never um, on the same page. Like we never were allowed to have what he had because financially, again, we could not afford it. And again, there were times where um, I think he had a good paycheck and we did have an adequate amount of food and we were able to eat, you know, a decent meal. Mm-hmm. Though that happened too. It wasn't just always like every day. Um, but um, on a good majority of time, that happened where there was um, an insufficient amount of food and my mom struggled to see what she was going to, you know, um, make for us that day. I think her biggest fear was him, especially mm-hmm. when she didn't have money. She would have to try to figure out how she could afford the steak for him because if she didn't I remember at times when she couldn't I remember him coming home and throwing food like throwing the plate at her you know a hot plate at her because it wasn't his steak and having a tantrum and then there would go the abuse and we'd all run 
um, we didn't understand, you know, why he was so angry, but it was because he didn't get a steak. So that happened quite a bit too. Was there anything you experienced with the absence of your mother because she was out chasing her husband who was out and about with all these women? Was there anything that really hurt you or impacted your life that was almost unforgivable at that time? Well, I think like for all, I can't speak for all my brothers. They all have their, like I said, we all have our own stories. Mm-hmm. I think for me, because I was the only girl, you know, my brothers were very protective, but we were also very young. And I don't think we were very aware, you know, of what could happen to us or how vulnerable we could be in those circumstances. I think my mom's focus, my dad was a musician. So he not only worked as a trucker during the week, but on the weekends, he would do a lot of jobs for like weddings or, you know, parties, you know, whatever he got hired for. He had his own band. Um, And that was his number one priority. It wasn't his kids. It wasn't his wife. It was his band and the women that he met, you know, in in every job and everything that he did. Um, and, And I think that's where he was at. My mom's concern was trying to keep him because she knew he had many women and had had many affairs. So her focus was on that. And in that way, I would say we were kind of neglected and and not really, um, you know, being her number one priority. I think he was at that time. Uh, and I think what it would happen was when she knew he was playing a certain job or a certain place where she knew maybe a certain woman was going to be that was interested or that had been involved with him, she would make it her priority to be at that place, whatever, whatever party or job or dance it was. And under any circumstances, she would make sure that um, she was there regardless of us. And we were young, so she would hire like, just babysitters down the street and they'd be male, um, male babysitters. Um, I think all of them were male. Maybe one was a female and it would just be like, we were just left and exposed to different people without really knowing, um, who these people were. Right. Like another, they're nice neighbors. Yay. But everybody behind closed doors could have a, you know, a different twist to them. Ulterior motive. Right. Exactly. And I I was younger. I was younger at that time. And at least two of the males that they hired um, did, um, you know, I I was molested by them. And it was my oldest brother at the time, who was probably nine or ten, who caught him and intervened and, you know, and tried to fight him for me. And it shouldn't have been his job. Right. Um, And even though that happened, um, I would tell my mom and dad, like, no especially my mom I would cry when I would see her getting ready because I knew she was going to leave and we'd be in the hands and it was like she couldn't hear me because she was in her own pain and her own you know stuff that was going on that she really couldn't hear what was going on so even after that happened they my dad did confront both of the guys you know both of the males who did do that to me Mm -hmm. um and they never babysat again but it wasn't like we were never left again. It was, it was still, um, you know, it was still about them. I think my mom was young and I think she was overwhelmed and she had no, um, self-confidence, no self-esteem. She was very weak-minded. Um, you know, and I think she didn't think about all that stuff about being a parent. And I think 
that's why for me I wanted to have someone where when I come home the kids are excited to see me or they're excited to see their dad they're not mm-hmm. afraid and they're not running I think I wanted to have someone um, that made the priority his family um, and my priority my family and I think that was important to me I also think it was important to hear my kids and to make sure I was aware and I one of the things I always did is I never let the kids sleep over anywhere because I was so paranoid about that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, and I know my kids always thought like I'm weird but that's because of what happened to me that was my experience speaking yeah. so I think in a lot of ways I get paranoid especially with my girls about certain things because I'm more exposed especially in the environment I work in I see a lot more so I'm very aware and maybe too 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 paranoid but I'm aware of that so yeah so that's yeah well where you work today we obviously I can't tell the viewers but you definitely work in an an exposed environment that is quite dangerous so I can't give any further information about that but I will say it does have an impact on us because my mother is very very cautious and protective of us which I love I'd rather have a mom who cares than a mom who doesn't so you know I think that's an interesting take and I also want to say what you said was very deep and I appreciate the way you view your situation I mean after all the bad that has happened to you you're not even you know talking bad about your mother you're not you're, you're seeing the deeper side of it where she was hurt she was in pain you could see her own trauma that she was she was struggling with you're not angry with her and and talking down on her or putting her down making her feel shameful you're seeing the light of where her pain was coming from and I feel like that's very hard to do when you've been hurt so I, I just appreciate that side for you because that that's really hard to do. Yes, it, it is. It is. Um, but you realize like people are human and um, things happen for a reason. And I think because of all that, it's made me a stronger woman. And, um, you know, and I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for the resilience that I was able to have. Um, just so just thankful for so many things that um, have happened afterwards like you said um it's not who you are when it happens it's what you do with it after and what I did with it was I decided to um not sit around feeling sorry for myself and being this poor victim I decided to turn it around and say okay that's what happened but here's where I want to go and here's what I want to do different with my life and here's what I'm going to do different and here's how I'm going to help those who have a similar story to mine and um and you know and be there for them because I've been in the trenches I know their stories all too well I was their story and Mm. I want to give them hope that's amazing that is amazing and I I really want to touch back on the last thing you talked about even with like the sleepovers okay I remember growing up and I would just say mom can I spend the night over so-and-so's and she would say no that's not happening I'm like but mom like we've been friends for years like you know the parents blah blah, blah. and she said no 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 and it became this whole thing where I was obviously a kid so I kept provoking and provoking and pushing her buttons like why 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 and I remember this so vividly. She came in the room and she was crying. And she's like, you want to know why? And I'm like, yeah. And she was like, because of what happened to me when I was younger. And then she full on explained 
her past and the history of why she thinks the way she does. And that just broke a piece of my heart and also put me in her shoes. So after that, I really, with that communication, I finally understood where she was coming from. So I feel like that's also really important as a parent is just, you know, opening up to your child about your story. I mean, growing up, she never really told us about her past when we were younger. We were obviously really young, but I mean, eventually as we got older, we started asking more questions and became more curious about her life growing up. And both my dad and her both shared quite similar stories of their own traumas and pains growing up but choosing to be better people so I think that's another interesting take too is just the fact that you've used that to really better your situation and not use it as an excuse to you know make up for your life and say well this is why I am the way I am because that is very easy to do but it's harder to make that change to look yourself in the mirror and reflect I mean you'll see people that use that as their why and there's either going backwards or moving forward so you chose the forward path which is a lot harder so I just I have so much respect for you mom and I love you very much I'm just I'm really glad that you were able to be my first episode oh thank you and I love (laughs) you too I love you very much too and I'm proud of who you are you're a beautiful young woman who's very strong and I'm very proud to say that you're my daughter I was in an abusive relationship but the one person I remember pulling me out was my mother and it was a really hard and long process I won't lie it wasn't like I was done the first time but she was the one who stuck by my side even when she was so angry at me and and so upset with me that at one point she didn't even want me in the house anymore I remember this so clearly she came and got me because she didn't want to leave me in that situation and that is something I will never forget she she's gone through so much but she's put so much time and energy into all of her children she goes out of her way to make every football game volleyball game any celebration event graduation you've never missed one thing growing up and if it wasn't you you made sure dad was there so I mean I just I can't even express how thankful I am and how much I just want to give you the world because you've given that to my siblings and I and that's just unforgettable I mean what what better life is one that is just shown with love unconditional love and I mean no family is perfect but you made it perfect you made it feel that way so that we never had to worry about what food was going to be on the table what we were going to wear what what school we were going to go to you made sure that we moved to the nicest area you made sure that we were all taken care of and that we never had to worry about that pain and that struggle you just always took care of us had our backs and made sure that our lives were stable and we had a beautiful foundation so again thank you for that yes no you're welcome and yeah a lot of hard work um but like i said just um when i'm just glad that we could do that for you that you didn't have to deal with the same things that we had to deal with i never wanted to see that for my kids so i'm just glad that myself and your dad were able to do that for you 
and and I'm just so happy with the kids that each and every one become like individuals each each one of you is beautiful in your own way and I'm just so happy to say that um you know I'm proud that you're my children and I'm proud of who you've all become and just it's it's a blessing and, and I just feel very lucky and very, and very humbled and blessed two things before we get going I want to really quickly go over you we talked about your life growing up but I want to I want to compare the life that your mother had and your father had growing up because I want to see what their why was because I feel like people harbor problems from their own dysfunctional family and you know I feel like you can become a product of your own environment and then kind of just compare the two to see maybe why they ended up being the parents that they were with you guys um so from what I know from my mom's side, um, my mom was really angry at her mom. I know that. She had three sisters. Um, an older sister, she was the middle child, the Jan Brady, I always say. And then she had a younger sister. Her younger sister was very um, spoiled and beautiful from, you know, what my mom tells me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I saw her when she was younger. Um, pictures of her actually um, and then her older sister they both had light eyes like really pretty eyes so she always felt like she was the ugly duckling which mm-hmm. I know she always talks about the color of her skin because she says she was darker both of them were very fair skinned like their dad because their dad was fair skinned with green eyes mm-hmm. um, she was more like my mom her mom sorry her mom was very dark skinned dark eyes you know um, very like Native American looking mm-hmm. and so apparently her mom projected that onto her um about her looks that she didn't have the same looks as her sisters and she wasn't as well kept and groomed and pretty and she didn't get the nice clothes um they were able to have their hair a certain way she never was because they always told her she was too messy because she was more of a tomboy um so i think her self-esteem was just crushed i don't think she ever wow a connection with her mom she was very close she loved her dad um i know there was uh, domestic violence in that relationship because the dad was an alcohol her father was an alcoholic who was my grandfather mm-hmm. um and i know she witnessed things and i i know she told me many times that she would have to go in the bars at night to pull him out um with my grandma because wow. drunk so that was her child and both of the first sisters left early so she was left behind they married very early and left and she was the last one there so i think she witnessed the most and i think she never felt love from her mom um i i remember my mom when i was younger being really really just attractive and having a really nice figure and always dressing up i guess for my dad and I remember her always crying because her mom would tell her, oh, you look like a hooker or you look like a prostitute. I remember that vividly. I remember my mom's mom never being there for her. Like if she needed to go somewhere and ask, can you watch the kids? She never wanted to be with all these kids. Too many kids, too much chaos. She didn't like that. So I don't think her and her mom ever had that connection until my mom was much older and I was older, like already in college when they started, I guess, um, kind of bonding and getting to know each other better. And my mom, I guess, was more willing to um, 
to forgive her and her mom was more willing to see who she really was and what she really endured and I think they were angry at her for marrying my dad because they didn't mm-hmm. like him um, her father continued to warn him he's not I think he has tried he knew and um, so they were angry at her a lot and they didn't want to help her they kind of wanted her to suffer because she didn't marry the guy that you know they had thought would be right for her so they were angry so again she grew wow. up with no self-esteem no confidence um she got married very young had kids right away and even when she wanted to leave them she was stuck because it seemed like she was always pregnant and mm-hmm. she didn't have a job she she had nothing going for herself so she stayed for the reasons she thought were right but really wrong she stayed because she felt like financial couldn't do it on her own but she never asked her parents for help she just stayed stuck in something and then by doing that she exposed her children to that toxic you know um, negative environment which was all consuming for everyone and, and then it impacted everyone's life which you know sometimes people say oh it's better to stay married than get a divorce and then people will tell you no like people like me would say no it would have been a lot better if my parents would have divorced and i had like peace right. of mind growing up so you hear both sides but um that's what happened to her so that's why i see her as now she's a different person she's very like strong-minded and you know and she speaks her mind she, she's not afraid i think she she always tells me what i did it's helped her become you know a, a stronger woman and now she's able to say what she wants because she sees me um and I think <laughs> she saw me do it you know through college and you know and through um, my ups and downs yes and you you are a strong-willed person you don't take no for an answer you you make yourself very present in any room right so i feel like that's how <laughs> we grew up too so yes. and i think that's funny because you're her child but she ended up learning from you right isn't yeah. that funny yes no, we're older and we're still learning from our children yeah oh we learn and adapting think, to that yeah and i think i learn every day from watching you and your sister i i, I see that too and, <laughs> I want, and when i see you guys stand up and certain, i get so proud i'm like oh my god my girls like there they are they're, <laughs> you know they're, they're hard that. they're going for it yes love it and you speak your mind and you're not afraid and you're not afraid to stand up for things that maybe are in the minority and and I love that. I really do. And I learned like I said from you guys too. I'm still learning. I'm not perfect by any means and and I learn every day when you guys right. tell me things like mom it's not that anymore. It's this way now. We look at it different. Oh yes, yes. You know, and I'm always willing to, <laughs> to hear it and be it. Um and then as far as my dad, I didn't know a lot about yeah. his history. We were more close on my mom's family. We were um more close to our cousins on that side of the family although we did when we were younger um you know engage with my father's family once in a while but again we weren't as close as we were with um a comparison to my mom's family but right. from what i know of my dad um his dad left them when they were little he was the oldest um he wow so he he didn't have that man fight. no no man no male okay. figure um, he had a sister who was, I guess, the Jan Brady, the middle child, and then he had a younger brother. So there was three of them. I think he felt responsible for all of them. Um, his mom, because the father left, didn't have a way to survive. So she um, became a prostitute, and wow. that's what she did for a living. So he saw a lot of that because it was at home 
there would be, from what he'll tell, he told us, there would be a different man every day in the house. And and when he was younger, they didn't really understand it. All he said was, you know, these people come in and out, and she tells us those are our uncles, but he never understood that. And I think as he grew up older, he realized what was going on. And once he did, he confronted her, and he stepped in, and he stopped it. And then he kind of became the breadwinner for the family. So I think it made him have to, you know, he had to grow up right away. And, and he felt responsible for his sister and his younger brother. He never had his child years. He never no. got to experience that. No. Wow. And And she loved him so much, uh, his mom, that he was the one. It was called the golden child. He was like her golden child. And he could never do any wrong, even when my mom would call him and say, hey, this is what he did. Or she would never see that in him, only, only the good in him, you know. And I think he had a lot of opportunities to do a lot of things. He was a great athlete. He was a great musician. Um, and he ended up not doing anything. And he, so he was kind of lost and ended up going into the Air, For- Air Force and was stationed in Idaho. And I think he did four years and then he came back. But before he went, he married my mom and they were really young and they went out there. And that's when she said the problems actually started and mm-hmm. she knew, but she didn't have the strength, the inner strength to get away and come back. She, I think she just stayed because she didn't want anybody to prove her wrong. See, we told you, so she stayed yeah. and they're getting pregnant. And then the story goes on and- It was never the same. No. And- Growing up, it makes me think, how or makes me feel very angry almost because of all this that happened to you guys growing up and like why were they these types of parents but then listening to their story it it almost kind of breaks you even more because you can't really use it as an excuse right you can't say it's okay because it's not you can't validate it there is no validation for that type of behavior as a parent your job is to protect and love your child regardless unconditionally no matter what and to find that best environment but I feel like it's an interesting take because out of all of that you almost feel sorry for them right you feel like wow so they went through all of this and it kind of not makes sense but it it kind of trickles down into that cycle of you kind of are forced to understand their own pain right no, exactly. And and it, it makes you, I, I think, have a little more empathy for them. Exactly. Because of more, what yeah. they were exposed to and their own traumas and their own, mm-hmm. you know, obstacles that they had to endure in life because they weren't easy. And I, I, I don't, I think everybody has a story. They're different. Some are worse than others, but we all have a story. It's what you do with that story and the new journey that you take on with it. You know, do you stay stuck or do you move forward? And I think that's what matters that's that's the big thing is what you do with it love that outlook do you have anything that you would like to share with viewers for for survivors maybe for people who are trying to self-reflect or change or become a better person because of what happened to them in their life or their trauma never never give up don't stop dreaming and like 
when you dream, dream big because any anything is possible. And make sure that you have someone in your life. I don't care if it's a significant other, a friend, a grandparent, an uncle, a teacher, a coach, someone who's a positive influence and that gives you strength and helps you identify your the positives in you and that keeps you going and keeps that morale up and keeps you building. I had a teacher in school, I think, that was my source of strength that always made me feel like I could do anything I wanted when I was in high school. And I think he's the one that really made me feel like, like once you leave high school, what, what's your plan? And I was kind of like, huh? What, what do you mean? I, I really, no, because that was never really talked about. My oldest brother went to college and that was exciting for all of us. He went away from home and it, it was really exciting. Um, and my second oldest brother, you know, went to work. My third brother went to work. So when it was my turn, honestly, I had no clue. And no one ever really identified that as a goal for me. Here's what you could do. He was the one who did. And when he did, I remember thinking and thinking all night long. And the next day, I'll never forget, I went into the college counselor and said, I'd like to apply for college. Something I never Aww. thought I would do. So I feel like he was... Because that, that wasn't common for your family. No, it wasn't. That's why I'm saying. Like, my oldest brother did it, and I looked up to him so much. I'm so excited. Like, oh, my God, one of us is doing something exciting. Um, and I think because I was a female, it wasn't something that was pushed. It was never anything that was... Like, I don't ever remember having anyone tell me, like, oh, what are you going to do? Are you going to go to college? What are you going to... Never. It was kind of like, you just graduate, and I guess get married and have kids. That's what kind of was the norm that's yeah. what most of my friends did um and so for me like when he said that to me it put something in my ear and that's why I say I think you have to have that one like your ride or die that one person that really tells lights you, the fire yeah and that's what he did for me and I'll never forget that and I think that's what made it possible for me and that's what made me say I you know I can do this what why am I thinking so little of myself no way I'm gonna do something big with my life and and that's what I did because because someone believed in me so that's why I say you have to have that one person that one person that that is supportive that that will you know have your back no matter what and that will be your positive encouragement that makes you believe you like anything's possible if you dream it you know and you believe it, it it can happen and things you know life will life can be good there's always another side it doesn't have to be like it is i think that is such a beautiful outlook really but i also like the fact that you talked about your teacher of course you had the people you looked up to within your family like your brothers right you didn't really have that or figures that really could step in for you. So that external force outside of you was the thing that kept you going. And I think that is very beautiful. You know, I feel like teachers don't really get a lot of the respect that they deserve because they shape the lives of millions of Americans and not nationwide, right? So it's right. just, that's another lesson we can learn from this conversation is that it just takes one person, mm -hmm. right? It and does. it just saying something nice or going out of your way to care for somebody else to look out for that person and and show them the light that they might not even see for themselves it just takes one and I feel like that that led you to being here so I don't know who this teacher is but <laughs> I, I'm thankful for him because I don't like you said you said you don't know if you would have been where you are today if it wasn't for him kind of reaching out to you and and sticking his hand out to help you out of that the trenches so 
Right. Exactly. True. Absolutely true. And and teachers don't get enough credit. You're right. And there's some good ones out there. There's some amazing teachers out there. Oh yeah. They have the hard part. They're just raise. They're pretty much raising everyone's children while everyone's at work. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Thank you again for coming on with me and talking about this because I know this wasn't easy at all, but I appreciate it because you are going to help a lot of viewers, whether you believe it or not. You're going to spark a light in somebody, light a fire in somebody that wants to change or be the change that they want to see in themselves and that they might be struggling with today. So thank you for just opening up, being vulnerable, being genuine and real with me I know again it's not an easy thing to do but you did it and I'm very thankful for it I really appreciate you talking with me yes no thank you for having me I I feel honored to be your first guest and um, thank you for the work that you're doing because it's it's inspiring and I hope others are inspired by it and I'm so proud of you for what you're doing it's 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 a journey and it's a beautiful journey and I just want to thank you Thank you to everybody who was listening in and another special shout out to my mother for that beautiful first episode. Please listen in for next week because I will have another person to talk to and interview about domestic violence. Again, thank you for listening to Karma's Calling. Remember, karma is the freedom to decide who we are and where we are going. Our past does not define us. What defines us is what we do next. Next.